Chapter Six of Molly Brown's Junior Days by Nell Speed. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Best Laid Schemes. Judy did have her failings, the faults of an only child spoiled by indulgent parents. But they were only on the surface, impulsive flashes of irritability that never failed to be followed by deep, poignant regret when the tempest had passed. The next morning Molly was wakened by the fragrance of violets, and, opening her eyes, she looked straight into the heart of a big bunch of those flowers lying on her chest. "'Goodness, I feel like a corpse!' she exclaimed. Scrawled on a card pinned to the purple tissue ribbon around the stems of the violets was the following inscription. For dearest Molly from her devoted and loving Judy. The poor child must have got up early this morning and gone down to the village for them, she said to Nance. And she does hate getting up early, too. Thus the coldness between the two girls came to a temporary end. Molly did not go to the Beta Phi house to dinner on Sunday. Millicent sent word that she was ill with a headache and would like to postpone the visit. Some of the Shakespeareans came to the apartment of the three girls to call one evening, but they were Judy's friends invited by her to drop in and have fudge, and Molly and Nance kept quiet and remained in the background. If Judy was working to get into the Shakespeareans, she should have the field to herself. The three visitors, seniors all of them, left early, but in some mysterious way the news of their call spread through the quadrangle. Which of you is boning for the Shakespeareans? Minerva Higgins demanded of Nance next day. This irrepressible young person had already acquired a smattering of college slang and college gossip, but still she had not learned the difference between a freshman and a junior. Nance drew herself up haughtily. Miss Higgins, she said, there are some things at Wellington that are never discussed. Excuse me, said Minerva, making an elaborate bow. But Nance did not even notice the bow. She had gone on her way like an injured dignitary. The air was certainly full of rumors, however. Everybody, even the faculty, wondered upon whose shoulders the Shakespearean's highly coveted honors would fall. The new members of this distinguished body were always chosen after the junior play, preparations for which were now under way. There had been first a stormy meeting of the class. It was quite natural for President Wakefield to want all her particular friends to form the committee to choose a play and select the actors, and it was equally human of the Caroline Brenton forces to resent the old clique rule. But Margaret was a mighty leader and would brook no interference. So, the Queen's girls were the ruling spirits of the entertainment. Judy was chairman of the committee and was to have the principal part in the play, it being tacitly understood that she wanted to show the Shakespeareans what she could do. It was just like the scholarly group to give a wide berth to the modern comedies and melodramas usually selected by juniors for this performance and to settle on Twelfth Night. We can never do it, Caroline Brenton had announced in great vexation. We haven't time, and we have no coach. But she had been calmly overruled, and twelfth night it was to be, with daily rehearsals except on Saturdays when there were two. Molly was cast for the part of Maria the maid, and she was glad, chiefly because the costume was easy. Judy was to play Viola, Edith Williams, Malvolio, and the other parts were variously distributed, Margaret being Sir Toby Belch. 
when a college girl reaches her junior year her mind is well trained to concentrate and memorize two years before perhaps only edith williams whose memory was abnormal would have trusted herself to memorize a shakespearean part but the girls were amazed now at their own powers miss pryor teacher of elocution was present at many of the rehearsals criticizing and suggesting and hers was the only outside assistance the juniors had in their ambitious production it was probably through her that the accounts of their ability were noised abroad and on the night of the play there was a great rush for seats the president herself was there and many of the faculty professor green had a front balcony seat looking straight down on the stage goodness but i'm scared exclaimed molly peeping through the hole in the curtain at the large assembly heaven help us all groaned nance dressed as an attendant of the duke don't talk like that judy admonished them we must make it go off all right molly don't you forget and be too solemn your part calls for much merriment as the notes in the book said don't you be so dictatorial said nance under her breath hoping instantly that judy in a high state of nerves and excitement had not heard her when the seniors began thumping on the floor with their heels and the sophomores commenced clapping molly's mind became a vacuum not even the first line of her part could she recall at last the curtain went up and the play began she had no idea how judy had conducted herself a girl near her said she certainly had an awful case of stage fright but she'll be all right in the next act the words had no meaning to molly and she sat like a frozen image in the wings until nance touched her on the shoulder and whispered hurry up then she stepped into the glare of the footlights her blood ceased entirely to circulate her hands became numb icy fingers seemed to clutch her throat and when she opened her mouth to speak no voice came she remembered making a fervent speechless prayer in an instant her blood began to flow normally she felt a wave of crimson surge into her cheeks and she heard her own voice speaking to margaret stuffed out with sofa cushions to resemble sir toby belch when the scene was over there was a great clapping of hands it sounded to molly like a sudden rainstorm in summer and like a summer shower it was refreshing to the young actors in the great comedy good work molly margaret whispered i think we carried that off pretty well if only judy doesn't get scared again the thing will go all right did judy have stage fright demanded molly in surprise you mean to say you didn't know she almost ruined the scene poor old judy thought molly and just when she wanted to do her best too judy did improve considerably as the play progressed but even a friendly audience has an unrelenting way of retaining first impressions or perhaps it was that poor judy sensitive and high-strung imagined the audience was cold to her and so allowed her spirit to be quenched there were no cries for viola from the people in front and there were many for malvolio sir toby and maria again and again these three actors came forth and bowed their acknowledgment during the intermission several of the freshman ushers carried down bouquets of flowers jessie received two from admirers who appeared to keep a running account at the florists in the village a splendid basket of red roses and a bunch of violets were handed over the footlights for molly and when she was summoned from the wings to appear and receive these floral offerings she flushed crimson and remarked to the usher there must be some mistake they couldn't be for me a ripple of laughter went over the entire house 
there was another burst of applause which again brought miss molly brown of kentucky into prominence through no fault of her own the card on the magnificent basket of roses made known to her the fact that miss millicent porter had thus honored her the card on the violets merely said from a crusty old critic who believes in your success i thought millicent porter had a big crush on you observed margaret later in the green room there's no doubt about it now after this noble tribute nonsense said molly it's because she has so much money and likes to spend it on herself yes buying clothes and big lumps of silver to play with but not on you molly dear unless she had been greatly taken with your charms molly had seen a few college crushes and considered them absurd a kind of idol worship by a young girl for an older one but because she had been so closely with her own small circle she had escaped a crush so far i'll never believe it she said i'm much too humble a person to be admired by such a grand young lady she sent the roses because she had to recall her invitation to dinner only time will prove it miss molly answered margaret the play ended with a grand storm of applause and college yells not in their wildest dreams had the juniors hoped for such success it's difficult to tell who was the best they were all so excellent the president was reported to have said finally to satisfy the persistent multitude each actor marched slowly in front of the curtain and each was received with more or less enthusiasm rah 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 wellington wellington margaret wakefield they yelled or what's the matter with molly brown she's all right molly 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 brown in the intoxicating excitement of this fifteen minutes nobody realized that judy had withdrawn from the group of actors and hidden herself away somewhere behind the scenery there was some speculation in the audience as to why viola had not filed across the stage with the others but since judy's really devoted friends were all behind the scenes there was no one to bring her out unless she chose to show herself with the others wasn't it simply grand cried jessie the last to taste the sweets of popularity the hall was still ringing with jessie jessie she's all right when she bowed herself behind the curtain and joined her classmates in the green room then there came cries of speech speech wakefield wakefield margaret as composed as a may morning stepped to the front of the platform and gave one of her most appropriate addresses to the joy of the audience and the intense amusement of the faculty think of that child only eighteen and making such a speech they are certainly a remarkable group of girls so much individuality among them said miss walker to miss pomeroy at her side and rare charm in some of the individuals added miss pomeroy the little brown girl for instance who by the way is as tall as i am but so thin that she seems small has magnetism that will carry her through many a difficulty in life they tell me she is almost adored by her friends in the meantime the juniors entirely unconscious of these compliments from high places and perhaps it was quite as well they were had just missed judy from their midst didn't she go before the curtain with the rest of us someone asked but how strange when she had the leading part i thought i heard them give her the yell judy judy called molly here i am answered a muffled voice from behind the scenery presently judy appeared showing a face so white and tragic that her friends were shocked 
with a tactful instinct most of the girls hurriedly gathered their things together and disappeared leaving only the intimates in the green room why judy dearest why did you hide yourself and you the leading lady of the company exclaimed molly reproachfully when all outsiders had departed don't flatter me molly judy answered in a hard strained voice but you were said molly and you acted beautifully i ruined the play said judy angrily i ruined the entire business and you made me do it oh judy cried molly you are talking wildly what do you mean you did you upset me completely when you said don't be so dictatorial i never heard you make a speech like that before and just as i was about to go on too it was cruel it was unkind if it had come from anyone else but you here here broke in margaret really judy you're losing your temper she never said it anyhow cried nance i said it myself she did say it nance you're just trying to screen her replied judy who had worked herself into a nervous rage is this going to be a free fight asked edith who always enjoyed battles molly was gathering up her things not as far as i'm concerned she answered in a trembling voice as she went out she looked sorrowfully back at judy but not another word did she say aren't you ashamed of yourself judy keene cried nance you're jealous and that's the whole of it and she flung herself out of the door after molly the others quickly followed certainly sympathy was against judy and what if poor judy left all alone in the gymnasium torn with anger remorse jealousy and disappointment she threw herself face downward on the empty stage presently the janitor came in and switched off the lights end of chapter six recording by debbie r baker robinson